Welcome to the Nourish Sensitive Podcast, where we come together as highly sensitive, empathic, and intuitive women to overcome lifelong struggles with food, body, and nutrition. I'm your host, Leah Tarleton, registered dietitian, nutritionist, holistic health coach, mind-body nutrition expert, and fellow HSP empath and healer. At the Nourish Sensitive, we believe that sensitive women can only be at their best when they are nourished on all levels of mind, body, and spirit, in a way that is as unique as their sensitive soul. So get cozy, find your inner calm, and then get ready to transform your relationship with food and body, and be nourished. By the time this is over, I want you one step closer to fully loving food, loving life, and loving your sensitive self. Hey friends, welcome to the Nourish Sensitive Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about what I consider to be a very important topic, especially for highly sensitive people, and that is gut health and healing for the HSP. Why is this important now? You know, I think, especially as a dietitian, that there's never a better time than now to talk about gut health for highly sensitive women. You know, gut health is an emerging field right now. We're learning so much about it. And we're also understanding how debilitating life can be when our gut and the health of our gut is suffering. So there's never a better time than now. And we can't talk about this enough because if we want to be truly nourished sensitives, then we have to be thinking about and monitoring and making sure that we're paying attention to this topic. Um, It's so important to be aware of and mindful of the health of your gut because these problems can be very sneaky and they can get worse over time leading to digestive disorders like IBS and digestive inflammation and all kinds of unpleasant symptoms inside and outside of the digestive system. You know, digestive issues and poor gut health does not only impact the health of our body on so many levels, but it also impacts the health of our mind, as well as our relationship with food and our body. Poor gut health, it really detracts from a pleasurable relationship with food, and it drains life energy because after all, health really starts in the gut. I can't remember who said that. I think it was Hippocrates, um, is that all disease starts in the gut. You know, the gut is where we absorb all of our nutrition and our energy, It's our window to the world. So if our gut isn't in good shape, we aren't going to be in good shape either as the highly sensitive women that we are. My mission, of course, at The Nourish Sensitive is to help you reach your highest potential through the power of good food and a nourishing relationship with food and body. So what could honestly be better than this topic for furthering that mission? So why is this topic important for HSPs? You know, why does it even matter if you're highly sensitive? A lot of people struggle with gut health issues. Obviously, gut health matters for all people who poop and or take in food, which is all of us. But it's especially important if you're highly sensitive, empathic, or highly intuitive. I see so much digestive struggle in this community, in this population. I've dealt with it myself as a highly sensitive woman. And I just don't feel that there's enough um, sort of supportive discussion about how to explore the problem and truly heal. You know, it's easy to find advice online, but as I've noted in past episodes, 
a lot of tactics and strategies and protocols that you can find online often don't work well for HSPs as a method. I find that highly sensitive women especially do better with taking a much more flowing and intuitive approach to healing any kind of health issue versus um, people who may not be as sensitive who can kind of just follow the rules and that's good for them. So, you know, this is also an important topic for HSPs because it can be so debilitating to live with chronic GI issues and all the effects of poor gut health on top of also trying to live with high sensitivity as a trait. You know, as a trait, HSP or sensory processing sensitivity is metabolically costly, meaning it drains us. We have to be very careful about um, rationing our energy and how we use it so we can't be nourished and flourishing when we are also dealing with chronic gut issues on top of being highly sensitive. So in this episode of the podcast, we'll be diving into some of the higher level ideas, concepts, and techniques that I use with my one-on-one clients in my three-month Nourish to Flourish coaching program who come to me looking to heal a sensitive gut. My goal as a coach and a nutritionist and as a podcaster for HSPs is really fivefold. I try to validate, awaken, empower, inspire, and guide in that order. This means that whenever I talk to you about a health challenge that you are facing as a sensitive woman, my first goal is to make sure that you you know you are not alone and that your symptoms deserve to be taken seriously. A lot of sensitive women have told me that they've dealt with health coaches or health providers in the past that they don't trust and felt like did not understand their sensitivities, so they weren't able to help them. So my goal is always to validate that experience and validate that your symptoms deserve to be taken seriously. Um, Next, I want to awaken you with new knowledge and understanding because I believe that highly sensitive people should be empowered as their own nutrition expert. You are deeply intuitive if you're highly sensitive. You are very connected to your body wisdom and sometimes all it takes is a little bit of knowledge to help move you into healing. After we awaken, it's then easier to empower and inspire you to take positive action and steps forward, which I work very hard to do with my community and with my clients. Um, You know, sometimes HSPs need that awakening. They need to learn something new that really makes sense for them. And then they need a little bit of support and community to help them take positive actions and steps forward. So that's what I love to do. And finally, I continue to guide you as you walk your healing journey. As a dietitian, I don't view myself as the quote-unquote expert on your body. And I also don't view myself as the food police. I'm more like a teacher and a friend. So all of that said, I want you to walk away from this episode with new knowledge and a deeper understanding of how gut health actually works and what you can do to heal your own sensitive gut. And I hope you'll also walk away feeling inspired and empowered to take positive actions today or look for support if that's something that you need. So let's go ahead and jump in. First, we're going to talk about why digestive issues seem to commonly impact the HSP population. You know, what it means to be sensitive is really the first thing we got to talk about here. And that is a lot. 
you know, what, how can we encapsulate in just a few sentences what it means to be an HSP, a highly sensitive person? We're very unique. And so it can be sometimes hard to explain the connection between our sensitive trait and particular health issues that we might be having. But it's definitely an important thing to explore. When it comes to gut health, I just want to first say that the gut is where we take in process, absorb, and eliminate all the stimuli of the world, right? It, like I said, it's the window to our body. So if you're a highly sensitive person, you're doing this on all levels just by being you. You're a very um, observant person. You take a lot of data in, from in, you process a lot. You're constantly sorting and absorbing and picking up on different stimuli in the world. So that's just who you are as a person. And if you think about that right away, there's a connection with the gut, which is where we do that for food, where we take it in, process it, absorb it, and eliminate it. So characteristically, like I said, HSPs are going to be have a greater amount of stimuli, environmental, social, physical, cultural. HSPs process, digest, chew on, and dare I say, occasionally ruminate very deeply on all levels of mind, body, and spirit. So the health of the gut is going to reflect how well you are processing and how well you are functioning as a highly sensitive person. Based on some of the research that I have done in some online HSP communities, a lot of us may actually be struggling to do the best job we can at processing. So to give an example, in a recent poll from an HSP online community with nearly 50,000 members, this is a big group, 295 individuals who identified themselves as having the sensory processing sensitivity trait reported their experiences with gut and digestive health. And obviously this isn't like a peer-reviewed clinical trial or anything. This is just anecdotal example from a large HSP community, but it's interesting. So the most commonly reported challenges with gut health were food sensitivities and allergies. And those were at 41% of people who responded said that they had at least one of these. And isn't that not surprising? Of course, highly sensitive people are going to be more food sensitive and maybe have more of an aversion to certain substances in food and pick up on those things more. So that was the highest category. The second highest um, challenges that I saw were gut issues like ulcers, and that includes in either the small intestine, large intestine, um, or acid reflux like esophageal ulcers, as well as functional disorders like IBS and IBD. Um, and those, those mounted to about 19% of people who responded to the poll. The others that I saw often were symptoms that often tie to IBS and IBD, so abdominal bloating at 16%, chronic constipation at 14%, and interestingly, only 10% of the people who responded, so around 30 individuals, reported no food sensitivity or digestive is issues. So I just have to ask, is this merely a coincidence or is there actually some kind of association between being sensitive and gut disorders that we can't ignore? Now, let's just hone in on that big category, the 41% of folks who struggle with food sensitivities and allergies. 
It's probably no surprise that HSPs are going to be, well, more food sensitive and their immune systems are going to be more alert, more turned on to allergens and quote unquote foreign proteins or substances in both their food and even just the wider environment or food system. I always say HSPs are the kind of canaries in the coal mine. They're always alerting the world, alerting society to what might be going on that's too subtle for others to notice. Um, and that might include things like dangerous chemicals in our environment, dangerous um, substances in our food supply that HSPs are picking up on and telling the world, hey, we got to do something about this. So know that you are not alone if you are a very sensitive woman when it comes to food because this is extremely common in lots of women like you and there's nothing wrong or broken about you. Healing is possible with the right approach and the right understanding. So just to kind of summarize this before we jump into the next part of our episode here is that gut issues are common in the HSP population. So know that you are not alone and know that there's nothing wrong with you. This is in part related to the high degree and depth of processing, quote unquote, or digesting that HSPs naturally do just by being themselves. And a lot of HSPs frequently report challenges specifically with food allergies and food sensitivities. Again, there's nothing wrong with you. If you have digestive problems as a sensitive woman, you're very sensitive to changes there and they won't go away. Healing takes time, patience, and knowledge. And on that note, let's move on and talk about some of the impacts of an unhealthy gut on your well-being and the health of the rest of the body and mind. So think about these as I list some of these impacts out in the context of being a highly sensitive person. Do you see any parallels with what you experience on a regular basis as an HSP? So first, let's talk about health impacts of poor gut health. The first is going to be more stress and overwhelm. Obviously, as HSPs, this is just something that's part of our daily existence. It's easy for us to become overwhelmed, but that can also be exacerbated by issues with gut health. So that's one of them. The next is poor emotional regulation. So being very moody, um, dealing with anxiety, depression, mood disorders, those can all stem from um, issues with gut health. Another health impact is altered metabolism and appetite. So much of the overall metabolic ability of our body, especially as sensitive women, is driven by the activities that are happening in the gut. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Another health impact is weight fluctuation. So if you're a highly sensitive person who's up and down with weight all the time, it could be related to a lot of things, but gut health is one of those. A lot of times it's linked to hormone imbalances like insulin, which causes the body to store fat and decrease muscle building. The other impact on weight can be if you have some type of absorptive issue, like you have bacterial over overgrowth that can cause you not to take in as much as you actually ate. So um, that's a big one. Another health impact is related to that is malnutrition. If you're having gut health issues, you might not absorb the nutrients that you're eating, which can lead to a host of problems like chronic fatigue, nutrient deficiencies, which have a lot of their own side effects. So that's a really big one, it's malnutrition. 
And the last two are chronic inflammation and increased chronic disease risk, which kind of go together. So if you're struggling with your gut health, you're, you could have inflammation in your digestive tract, which is just adding more stress to the body and really increases your chances of developing some type of disease or disorder. So not to be not to be too dark or overwhelming about this, but just understand that health impacts are possible when we have poor gut health and it's something that you want to take very seriously and really take care of yourself with that knowledge. Some other um, impacts that a poor gut health can have on our life and our relationship with food and body would be just malnourishment in general, mind, body, and spirit. Having gut health issues can be very debilitating and can really take away from life. Another way that it can impact our relationship with food is eating fears. So if you've been struggling with GI issues for a long time and you're constantly in pain and nothing's working, you might start to actually have fear around food and in a more severe capacity could even develop an eating disorder. You know, that, like I said, that's more on the severe end, but it is possible when you've been dealing with these issues for a very long time. The other aspect that it can affect with your relationship with food is just loss of pleasure and joy with eating. When you're dealing with constant pain and every time you eat, something happens, you completely lose your ability to see food as this joyful and pleasurable experience. It totally takes over that relationship. Some other impacts that it could have on food or body would be social withdrawal or isolation. If you're dealing with, you know, embarrassing digestive issues like bloating or farting or, you know, acute diarrhea, like you got to go now, that can cause you to pull away from your social circles because it's embarrassing to you and you feel isolated from people who don't deal with these issues. And of course, it can also impact your body image. So how you imagine your body to be if your body is struggling just to do the one thing that it really needs to do, which is take in food and and nourish you, you might start to have a very difficult relationship with your body and just feel like you can't trust it to do the job that you need it to do. So obviously, a lot of negative impacts can happen when we are dealing with poor gut health. And like I said in the beginning, you want to think about this in the context of being a highly sensitive person. Can you imagine how life would be with all of these negative effects on top of being sensitive and picking up on so many other things? So it's so important to really work on this. Now let's just move to something a little more positive. What are the benefits of a healthy gut for HSPs? You know, the benefits are going to be the opposite of everything we just talked about. So improved mood, less anxiety and depression, balanced hormones, which is going to balance your appetite, your weight, optimal nutrition. So you're not going to be malnourished. You're not going to be deficient in anything, which is going to have a lot of just make you feel healthier and better overall. You'll have a more positive self-esteem and self-image, more energies, you know, We're always draining our energy as sensitive women, but gut health really helps with boosting our energy levels, giving the nourishment to us that we need. Another is metabolic power. So the ability to burn calories, burn energy, thinking of your body like a furnace, you're going to be burning hot, right? Because everything is working as it should. And so this should help to keep you running, keep you feeling focused and keep your weight stable. 
Another big one for HSPs is less brain fog and more focus, right? When we're trying to work on our goals and we're trying to be the amazing sensitive leaders that we are, we need to be focused. We need to be clear and having a good gut health is going to help us feel that way. And of course, decre decreased risk of all disease, a nourishing relationship with food and a nourishing relationship with body. So think about which of these benefits you could stand to have more of in your life as a sensitive woman and set a little intention about where you want to go on your gut healing journey. You know, the bottom line here is that health of the gut plays a huge role in our overall well-being, and this is especially important for HSPs. This is why I do this work, since we often suffer disproportionately from the kinds of problems that an unhealthy gut can make even worse, such as mood disorders or energy levels. So practice noticing these signs without judgment, without fear, to increase your own awareness as an HSP that's working on their gut health. And be empowered by those many benefits that you can achieve if you're really focused and empowered in this area. Okay, so next let's jump into how you might begin to figure out where you stand in terms of gut health. How can you know if you're in a healthy place and are on the right track? So I'm going to give you some signs of a happy gut versus an unhappy gut. And these this is not a totally comprehensive list, but it's the basic things you want to be looking for on a day-in, day-out basis to see how well you're doing in terms of your gut health. So the big thing with a happy gut to realize is that a happy gut assimilates, absorbs, and removes waste effectively. It simply works the way that it was designed. That is what our digestive system is from mouth to anus. It's supposed to process our food absorb it, store it where it's needed, and then remove it. So that's really what you want to be thinking about on a higher level here when you're working on improving gut health. Some signs to look for just on a daily basis. So you're looking for regular bowel movements. And a little rule of thumb that I use is the 3-3 rule. So that's three a day or three a week. And I want to stress too that regular is what is regular for you. So if you're somebody that has um, a bowel movement once a day and that's standard for you, then you're fine. Um, where, it's, where there's cause for concern is when you're regular, you have your patterns, and then all of a sudden you see this major change where you're not going as often or you're going way more frequently. So that's something to think about. It's not always a panacea. Um, but it's about noticing what your patterns are and what's normal for you. And that applies to all of these things. So the next sign would be daytime bowel movements. That just means that you're going during the day and you're not waking up at four o'clock in the morning to eliminate. That could be a sign of a potential problem. Another sign of a happy gut would be transition time. So the average is about 28 hours, you know, somewhere between that. 24 to 28 hours. So really having a bowel movement every day. Um, in terms of color, you want it to look medium to dark brown, smooth in texture and soft to firm as a sausage shape. And I know that this is a little bit taboo to talk about poop, but it's so important that we do because if we don't talk about it, we're all just gonna be you know, going about our normal lives and not realizing that we actually might have a problem because we don't talk to anyone and we don't know what's normal. So just as a little disclaimer there. So 
your your poo should be medium to dark brown. It should be smooth. It should be a soft to firm sausage shape. You shouldn't see any floating in the toilet. You shouldn't have any pain or major straining. You should have normal levels of gas and the absence of digestive issues. So you're not seeing chronic um, gas, bloating, cramping, pain, diarrhea, constipation, any of these symptoms that you're dealing with regularly. Another sign that's not poop related would be healthy skin, hair, more energy, because you're getting more nutritional absorption when everything is flowing and working as normal. So those are the signs of a happy gut, some of them. What would be the sign of an unhappy gut? So the first really is chronic ongoing digestive issues anywhere in the system. So that's from mouth all the way to anus. That's your entire digestive system. So you want to be noticing if there are any chronic things that you're dealing with in any of those areas. For most people, it's going to be acid reflux in the esophagus, it's going to be stomach issues, bloating, it's going to be it's going to be somewhere in the abdomen, um, but it can really be anywhere, like I said, from maltainous. So you want to be aware of any chronic ongoing issues um, in the system. Other signs of an unhappy gut would be unpleasant symptoms associated with certain foods, what, might, what we might call allergies or intolerances or food sensitivities. So unpleasant symptoms tied to that would be things like bloating, gas, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and nausea. Some other signs of an unhappy gut would be things like weight gain or loss, just not being able to stabilize your weight, insomnia, chronic fatigue, skin issues like we talked about, so things like eczema, dark eyes, advancing aging. You might see issues with autoimmunity, frequent colds, mood disorders, migraines, um, and there's also been some link between things like ADHD and ADD. So the bottom line is that there, these are some of the key signs and symptoms to really look out for when you're trying to figure out the health of your gut and whether or not things are improving. You really have to be patient with this and identify your specific patterns, and you have to know what to measure yourself against in order to understand where you stand and understand if you're actually improving and healing. So know the signs of a happy and an unhappy gut and keep an eye on things. For some people, it helps to have a little journal or there's lots of good phone apps out there as well where you can track symptoms and some of these other things. So, okay, now that we understand a little more about how to determine the health of your gut and why it's important, let's jump into some basic terms and definitions that are going to help you feel more knowledgeable about this topic. There's a lot of noise out there, a lot of different terms that you might run into when you are researching gut health, so I want to just give a little bit of an overview of these terms and make sure that you understand them so you know how to apply whatever recommendations you're reading. So the common terms that you might run into would be a food allergy, a food sensitivity, food hypersensitivity, food intolerance, celiac disease. There are a ton of different ways to describe a reaction to a certain type of food and it can all get a little fuzzy, confusing, and even overwhelming. So let's just quickly sort out what all of these terms mean so you're more clear about how to tackle the problem. So the four basic sensitivities to food, I've kind of ranked them in order of severity, 
so how severely they impact health and prevalence or how common they are in the population. Now the four basic sensitivities to food in order are true food allergy, celiac disease, food intolerance, food sensitivity, and then also food hypersensitivity, which refers to the first three. So a true food allergy, celiac disease, and a food intolerance. A true food allergy is caused by a widespread rapid immune reaction to an offending food. These sensitivities to food can be deadly and severe and can cause a, a body-wide reaction um, when you eat a certain food. And the top eight food allergens include cow's milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, crustacean shellfish, wheat, and soy. Now, if you don't have a true food allergy, you can still be sensitive to these foods, but it's not going to cause an actual widespread rapid immune reaction that can cause you to go into anaphylaxis or die. So it is possible to be sensitive to these foods, but not everybody is allergic to them. If you are allergic to one of the eight top food allergens, then you have to avoid this food completely. Um, otherwise, it can be very severe for you. The next level of severity and prevalence would be something like celiac disease. So celiac disease is a chronic autoimmune reaction to an offending food, which is or protein, which is the protein found in wheat, also known as gluten. So celiac disease is not this widespread rapid immune reaction, but it's a chronic autoimmune reaction, which means that it, the body attacks itself whenever it encounters gluten. It's not as deadly as a true food allergy where if you just come into contact with gluten, you're going to have this widespread immune reaction that puts you into anaphylaxis, but it can be very severe um, because the body is attacking itself and often the condition is extremely debilitating and anybody who has celiac disease has to completely avoid gluten just to exist and function. It may not kill them, but it makes their life so um, it makes their life so difficult that gluten has to go. So that's kind of the next level of severity and prevalence um, in terms of food sensitivity. The next level of food sensitivity would be food intolerance. So a food intolerance is caused by poor digestion or irritation somewhere in the GI tract. These can be severe, but they're usually not deadly or causing some type of autoimmune reaction. People who have food intolerances, like lactose intolerance, for example, can take enzymes to be able to consume that substance. They can limit the amount that they eat of, say, dairy or how frequently they eat it. Or if they have a pretty severe food intolerance, they would just avoid it completely versus taking enzymes or eating less or less frequently. So that's a food intolerance. And the last one is a food sensitivity. So if you're using this term, it, it can be caused, a food sensitivity can be caused by many different things, which really vary by the individual, the person that we're talking about, and potentially the food environment. These are usually, general food sensitivities are usually not as severe, and they can even be asymptomatic, meaning you don't even know that they're there um, they're just sort of normalized and there aren't any drastic symptoms that stand out to you. 
Usually we discover food sensitivities by process of elimination. This is really the gold standard versus something like allergy testing. Um, and that would be something like a FODMAP diet. That is a form of eliminating certain ingredients from your diet, certain types of foods for a certain period of time and seeing how the body responds. So on the FODMAP diet, which is really the gold standard diet for IBS, you would eliminate foods from each of the letters, so F-O-D-M-A-P. So F-O stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, and these are foods like garlic and onion, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, peas, bread, cereals, pasta, beans, and legumes. And these are foods that are easily eaten by our gut bacteria and can produce a lot of gas. The next letter D is disaccharides, so that's a sugar like lactose and dairy. M stands for monosaccharides, so that refers to fructose, which is what we would find in things like high fructose corn syrup, which is used to sweeten a lot of different foods, table sugar, certain canned and fresh fruits, honey, cereals, breads, and some veggies. And finally, AP stands for and polyols. And polyols are sugars like sorbitol, mannitol, xylitol, anything that ends in that all. You can find some of these sugars in natural fruits and vegetables, but they're mainly found in diet foods like gum and all kinds of processed foods. So that's the FODMAP diet. Fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. That's a mouthful, but it's really, you're just focusing on certain foods that tend to have more of an impact on digestive symptoms for a lot of a lot of people. And the FODMAP diet is really one of the best ways to get to the bottom of any kind of food sensitivity that you might be dealing with or IBS-like symptoms. And I would just say when it comes to food sensitivities, the food environment really pay, plays a role here. There is a lot of mystery around all of the chemicals and substances in our food and in our food system and in processed foods that we just don't know how these are interacting on the level of the body in different people. So things like histamine in foods, salicylates, caffeine, MSG, and amines, dyes, food additives, yeast, the list goes on and on. There are so many different substances, chemicals, and, you know, things in our food system that can potentially be a sensitivity depending on which person you're talking about. So it's important to understand that there is a lot of individuality here. Every human is different, so it takes a very systematic approach that takes into account who you are as a unique individual to get things right in terms of identifying which foods you are sensitive to. That's why I don't usually recommend just getting a bunch of allergy tests because they don't typically have the high level of specificity, meaning they can't really tell you on a very unique level what you are potentially sensitive to. And yeah, a lot of those tests are not as accurate as people think they are. The process of elimination requires you to really check in with yourself and be extremely mindful and patient and self-monitoring in order to get clear answers. It's not the most fun thing to do to cut certain foods out of your diet for four weeks and monitor every little thing, but it really is the best way to get to the root of what foods you might be sensitive to. 
you know, I'm going to post on the show notes on my website a more helpful visual depiction of each of these terms. So after the episode is over, make sure you check that out. And the bottom line is that sensitivity to food goes by a lot of different names. So it's important to understand all the different terms, their causes, what causes them, and effects of food sensitivities in order to be an informed and educated consumer and really an expert on your own body as you proceed on your healing journey. Of course, if it's a lot for you, you can always reach out for help with these things. There are lots of dietitians, myself included, who help people walk through the process of elimination if it's something that they just can't figure out on their own. So in the last part of this episode, we're going to jump into some mind-body techniques for improving your gut health and your gut resilience that I use on some of my one-on-one clients. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about the brain-gut connection because it's so important to understand this whenever you're working with healing your gut from a mind-body perspective. So understanding, like I said, the brain-gut connection is so important when working with gut challenges because... It refers to the constant dynamic crosstalk that happens between your gut and the bacteria that live there and the brain, also known as your central nervous system. So your gut and the brain are two systems that are constantly talking to each other, relaying information about you and about the overall health and well-being of you, the organism. So this brain-gut connection can really make or break your gut health depending on how well that communication is going and how healthy it is. If that communication line is frequently stressed, inflamed, and frazzled, think about it like you, like you can be stressed, inflamed, and frazzled, then both the mind and the gut are going to suffer. Both of those systems are going to suffer for poor communication or negative communication or stressed. So some of the elements of a healthy brain-gut connection include stress and digestion. So stress is going to impact your digestion by causing digestive shutdown and really triggering a sympathetic nervous system dominance, which is that fight or flight. Whenever you're under stress, that fight or flight says, hey, we're being chased by a lion. Please don't rest and digest right now. Please don't slow down. We need to shut down the digestive system because that's not a priority. We need to get away from this lion. So anytime that you're dealing with digestive issues, you really want to be thinking about the stress response. The other important element of this brain-gut connection is the effect of stress on nutrition because stress results in a loss of nutrition from the gut. So when we're stressed, our body is actually going to excrete more of the nutrients that we would have absorbed because the digestive system is shutting down. So stress has a huge impact on the functioning of our digestive system and our ability to get the nutrition and energy that we need. Another element to the healthy brain-gut connection is the nervous system. So all of this communication between the brain and the gut is regulated by the vagus nerve, which tells the gut what to do. It's really the main um, switch that is turning on and off rest and digest or or stress response. Um, And it regulates many other functions as well. And there are ways to actually um, help the vagus nerve and to calm the vagus nerve and tell it what to do. We tell it to rest and digest and be calm. 
Another element of the healthy brain-gut connection is mindful, relaxed eating. So this is eating slowly and mindfully, telling the mind that everything is okay, we can rest and digest now. Just eating slower is enough to calm down that stress response. When we eat fast, we actually are creating a somewhat of a low-grade stress response because it's just not good for the body when we eat really, really fast. And the last element of a healthy brain-gut connection is the microbiome. So the microbiome is all those little bacterial critters that live in your gut, um, that eat the foods that you eat and that are part of you and are part of this symbiotic relationship with you. In fact, we have more gut bacteria than we actually have human cells. So the question is really, are we more human or are we more bacteria? But these little bacteria that live in your gut are also producing chemicals and other signals that are sent to the brain to relay information about your overall health. So this is kind of an interesting topic to dive into and we can get into in more podcast episodes, but it some people suspect that this is really the root of that gut feeling or that gut intuition that I know HSPs are so strongly connected to. Or even things like butterflies in the stomach when you're nervous or any kind of gut-related symptoms, that's all coming from this brain-gut connection and possibly from all the bacteria that live in there. Anyways, we won't get into all these details today, but let's just say that the brain-gut connection plays a huge role in your overall functioning as a human being and as a sensitive woman. I'm going to be sharing in the show notes on my website another graphic that depicts what this brain-gut connection looks like. And the last thing I'll kind of say when it comes to the brain-gut connection is to really talk about the mind of the highly sensitive person. They have done fMRI studies or brain scan studies on people who have this trait where they've shown higher activation in, in many areas of the brain. So HSPs have a lot of differences in the way that their brain processes information, in the way that their brain detects emotion and mirrors the environment. Um, HSP brains typically have a higher awareness of body-based stability or balance, so things like hunger, taste, appetite, pain, fatigue. There's a higher awareness of these kinds of things. HSPs also have um, increased activation in the part of their brain that is in charge of higher emotional processing, for, especially for stressful or strong emotions. And they're going to have greater awareness and response to stimuli, so loud noises, strong smells, food components in certain areas of the brain. So you can see that the HSP mind is really going to lead to some extra work for the gut and the brain-gut connection just because our brains are a little bit more turned on in certain places that can have a strong effect on our digestion. So there is an intimate connection between what we might call the gut brain or the gut nervous system or the enteric nervous system and the head brain or what we would call the central nervous system. And the concept of resilience is a really interesting one because it's the ability to bounce back from stress. So how resilient you are in your ability to mentally or emotionally bounce back from stress is also going to reflect how able your gut is able to bounce back from stress. Another way to say this is that the way that you do life is the way that you're going to do food and nutrition and gut health. 
or in other words, how resilient you are as a highly sensitive person is going to reflect how resilient you are in dealing with stress in the gut. Sometimes what I tell my clients is you have to do not only uh, some strategies like nutrition to work on your gut health, but you also have to take an emotional laxative. The goal with having a healthy gut is regular processing and elimination, right? And that includes with our emotions. When we are in a regular, in the habit of regular processing and elimination of emotions, like going through the course, we are going to have more emotional flow, more emotional resilience, and more digestive flow, if you know what I mean. So the bottom line is that the brain-gut connection is that crosstalk that goes on between your central nervous system or your brain and your enteric nervous system or your gut. This communication is really vital to ensuring your overall health and when you are disrupted or constipated either emotionally or digestively in any way, things are not going to be flowing as well and that can lead to digestive or gut disorders. I hope that makes sense for you guys. Okay, to wrap it up, we're gonna jump into some simple mind, body, and nutritional strategies you can use to improve your gut health right away. And I'm gonna give it to you in four simple steps so you can use these every day and at every meal to soothe a sensitive gut. So step one is to learn how to relax and learn how to take a deep breath. Learning how to relax and breathe is a skill. And the reason why it's important for gut health is breathing allows you to balance the nervous system, sending that signal from the vagus nerve that everything is okay and that we can rest and digest. This is a key part, learning how to breathe and having a healthy gut because of that brain-gut connection. So step two is to go slow. We move too fast in this world to be able to actually process or digest anything. And this is so true if you're an HSP, the world is just moving too fast. So we have to reclaim our time, reclaim our energy and reclaim slow. Slowing down brings us into the present moment where we can truly rest and digest and enjoy our food. When we go fast with eating or with life, this catalyzes a chronic stress response and it's gonna impact us on all levels of mind and body. So going slow is so important. Step three is to love yourself. I need you thinking kind thoughts in the same way that you would be thinking kind and quality food. Good gut health isn't just about eating healthy and eating quality foods and doing an elimination diet, although those are very important too. It's also about thinking healthy and quality thoughts because of that brain-gut connection. Yes, increasing your fiber intake, taking a probiotic, cutting back on powerful substances like sugar and caffeine, and eating a more nutritious diet is important, but so is self-compassion. When we think negative thoughts all day long, as some HSPs can get caught up in, we are stressed all day long, and of course, as we know, that causes chronic digestive shutdown. So the big thing here is understanding that personal power, empowerment as a sensitive person is going to equal digestive power. And lastly, the fourth mind-body tip that I give to my clients and help them on is being conscious. And that includes being open and curious. Getting to the root of gut issues is a process, it's a journey, and it's a never-ending practice. 
our gut is a very dynamic system that is always changing in response to the world around us. And it's very complex and it's always changing in response to the complexity of our body and our body's needs. So don't expect to just have all the answers right away when you do any kind of intervention for gut issues. And honestly, don't even expect to have the answers at all. There's still a lot of mystery in this area of gut health and still a lot that we haven't uncovered that we don't know. So embracing the mystery is part of the healing process. And that's not something I think a lot of people say. Don't just start cutting things, really be open and curious to tweaking, experimenting and trying new things as you get to the root of your gut issues. And this openness and curious attitude is important in any relationship with food. Finally, you want to be checking for food intolerances mindfully, especially if you have symptoms such as cramping, bloating, abdominal pain, diarrhea, and all those things we talked about. You may be suffering from a food sensitivity, allergy, or intolerance. Certain diets like the FODMAP diet we talked about are useful for working through the process of elimination, but these are not forever diets. They're just meant to be a tool for you to eliminate only the foods that you struggle with. It can be really helpful if you're trying to do the FODMAP diet or any kind of elimination to keep a food journal or work with an expert guide who can help you systematize and keep things organized. Cutting and eliminating things from your diet without slowing down and being very mindful and systematic is going to create more issues for you. So it's super, super important to be open and conscious and patient with this journey. So... To summarize some of the big ideas before we wrap up here, I want you to understand that you are not alone as an HSP who struggles with digestive challenges. It's very common and it makes a lot of sense. HSPs are very unique beings in mind, body, and soul. And that's going to just that's going to reflect in our in our digestive system. Be empowered to improve your gut health so that you can thrive as an HSP. This means knowing the signs and symptoms of a happy versus an unhappy gut so that you can catch things early and really be in charge of your own body. Know your stuff, right? Know your basic concepts, your terms, types of food sensitivities, common sources and causes so that you can take informed steps forward. Of course, if you don't want to learn all this stuff, that's fine too. Then you need to find somebody who can help you keep it Um, organized and straight in your mind. Another thing to summarize here is that the brain-gut connection makes it important to focus on both mind and body strategies whenever you're working with gut health because it's not just enough to change your diet. You really have to learn to become a more slow, mindful eater and a more resilient person. This is what I work on with my clients as a mind-body nutrition coach. Um, Understanding your emotional metabolism and regulating emotions is so important for overall gut health and it's so common for HSPs to struggle with this, so it's something to think about. Know your HSP mind. Understand that it might put you at greater risk of digestive issues, but it's also your gift and your way out of true healing and to find nourishment because Being an HSP allows you to go deeper, to really consider root causes, to pause and reflect. These are just natural qualities that you have that can make you more at risk of gut issues, but can also be the path forward. Remember that personal power as an HSP equals digestive and metabolic power. And finally, there are four basic steps that I want you to think about 
to start improving your gut health today. And that is relax, go slow, eat, eat quality foods, think quality thoughts, and be open and conscious. Again, I'll remind you that you can work with someone to help you narrow down your sensitivities and to empower yourself as an HSP who is working on their gut health. And that is exactly what I do for my one-on-one clients. Um, if you want to revisit this information at a later time, go ahead and check out the show notes on my website at www.nourishsensitive.com forward slash podcast for a transcript of this podcast, along with some key points, graphics that I mentioned, some quotables and shareables if you're on social media and other um, upcoming events or blog posts that I might have related to this podcast. Just some quick announcements before we jump off. Wednesday, October 20th at 11 a.m. Pacific time, which is 2 p.m. Eastern, I will be hosting a workshop with the team over at Highly Sensitive Humans on this very topic, gut health and healing for the highly sensitive person. I'll be sharing more tips and tricks on how to work on gut health and healing as a highly sensitive. I'll be going into more detail with some of what we have discussed in this episode. And this workshop that I'll be hosting is part of an eight-week course called Step Into Your Authentic Power as a Highly Sensitive Person, which is a wonderful complement to this gut health topic, and it includes eight modules offering skills, resources, and tools to help you navigate emotional overwhelm and step into your authentic power as a highly sensitive person. If you're interested in being part of this workshop and hearing my workshop on gut health and healing, you can head on over to my website, www.nourishsensitive.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes page for this episode and look for the link for more information about how to join the eight-week course. Okay, guys, I hope this was a very enlightening, very validating, and very supportive podcast episode for you. I know it's a bit longer than my first two, but there's so much to get in here. And if you are checking out the show notes, you can leave me comments or ask questions about what you'd need to hear more about and what you'd like me to dive more into. And if you are somebody who feels very inspired to take action from this and you just don't know where to start, you can go ahead to my website and book a free discovery call where we can chat about what you're going through and see if there's anything that I can do to help and whether or not my three-month one-on-one coaching program for highly sensitive women would be right for you. All right, guys, that's it for episode three and check back next week for episode four. Can't wait.